Hello, welcome everyone to the Digital Transformation Podcast. Uh, even today, we're going to have uh, what uh, seems to be, you know, another great episode because we're going to discuss with our guests and our co-hosts uh, the VR, AR, MR, and the spatial computing uh, word that um, you know now is enriched with another terminology after Vision Pro. We're gonna have a lot of time to talk about Vision Pro, and of course uh, uh, try to analyze everything from different uh, different angles, like we usually do. I wanna immediately welcome our guests uh, um, that uh, accepted our invitation. So it's my pleasure to introduce Mr. Jay Rosen. Welcome, welcome, Jay. And Swapratim Roy, welcome, welcome, both Thank of you. Mike. Pleasure being here. Thank you for being uh, with us today. Um, maybe uh, uh, it's also a good idea to uh, reintroduce again and again, even if I'm pretty sure that our audience now uh, knows you very well. Mr. Cyril Coste. Thank hi, you. For hi, everybody. <laughs> and uh, Frank Italia that is sitting here with me. Hello, everybody. Okay, so the um, let's uh, try to warm up with some questions. I really uh, want to meet our guests uh, a little more. Let's start with you, Swoprateem. I have a question for you. And my question is, uh, um, I saw that, uh, uh, that you have, uh, uh, that you published a book and uh, that you are the co-founder of uh, Marvin XR. I would like you to understand a little more about this. Thank you, Mike. Uh, well, a couple of years back, actually three and a half years back, I was uh, more or less getting more interested in AR because I was interested before, since Pokemon Go, uh, who is not or who wasn't, but it was a bit hard for, from a normal perspective or normal audience perspective to use AR on a daily basis, right? You need apps, glasses or headset, it's expensive business. So I was looking for a way that how we can make things a bit easy, people can actually play around with things without downloading tons of apps, buying expensive gadgets and all. At that point of time, a couple of years back, precisely three and a half years back, I discovered web-based augmented reality, which changed my perception. And I saw a huge opportunity for the entire world. And from that point onwards, I became a bit obsessed and became passionate building things, building experience on web-based AR. And then I felt like, okay, uh, it's very interesting, but for a lot of people, they don't know how to use this. A lot of companies, they, for they, it's a bit complicated. So they wanted to, I wanted to build a platform so that business people can actually come around, creators can come around, they can create a no-code uh, augmented reality experience within a couple of minutes and they can, they can publish across the globe. So that should be very easy without having a lots of coding and all those technical geek stuff. So that was the whole point of establishing or founding the Marvin XR. And we established with my co-founder, Ajanta. Uh, she's also my wife, as a matter of fact. Uh, a couple of years back, we launched our first MVP. And then since I was pitching a lot, writing, talking, different, different forums, platforms, but then found like, okay, People are not that much of into the web yet. They're still living in Pokemon Go, Ikea app, or maybe it's uh, the HoloLens, which is beyond 
capacity of most of the people. So I was like, okay, I need to focus on something where I should make things very easy for people, mostly for business, to understand that it's not a very expensive business. They can easily adopt things and it can actually bring a tons of opportunity for them and for the normal people. At that point of time, I was writing a book, started writing a book last year and published around, uh, actually last to last year. So the first uh, version of the book was published in 2021, around October. And actually I'm writing the second book right now uh, that's solely focused on the first book was Web Augmented Reality Success Guide, which was mostly focused on how, what is this and how it can make life easy for business and normal people. And the second book I'm also writing right now, which will be published in a couple of months from now, which is mostly focused on the e-commerce segment where they can actually adopt web AR and they can how they can actually leverage all the benefits of that. So that's in a nutshell about Marvin XR and writing books. Really interesting. Congratulations. Seems to be a great Thank reality and, uh, and a great idea. Um, oh, oh, Jay Rosen instead is a metaverse developer at the Dragon Chain and the web developer at the University of Florida. I know that uh, uh, Frank has yeah. a question for uh, for you, Jay. Yeah, I guess I couldn't help but being impressed with uh, with your background because you, you seem to have moved from two what one could think very different industry from arts to computer science. And you have, it seems like you have extensive experience in both industries. So my question to you is, um, how do you see these two fields intersecting in, in the future, particularly in the context of VR and AR? Yeah, this background to explain, this is Mirror Vision Labs. This is my home studio. We have 36 graphics cards, powering applications for metaverse, AI, and entertainment industries. Uh, so of course, the idea of this intersection of art and technology, I love this idea of we can create new forms of art using technology. A lot of artists, maybe we think of drawing and painting and sculpture, and it's to me, it felt very old, and I want to really embrace the new. What is possible with computers or graphics cards, for example? Like Now that we have AI applications, I can just generate images. For example, I just created an image of a $400 million football stadium dome in like a minute. And it's kind of uh, funny to think I'm kind of replacing the need for artists and designers by just simply creating new types of art and designs. It's kind of redundant in a way. So I started uh, working with technologies 10 years ago when I was an artist. I was interested in sculpture and how can we actually use light. Light is a technology for artists to actually capture the visual world in a way. I started creating these uh, glass wearable sculptures, uh, these very prototype uh, virtual reality headsets using just like materials you can get from a hardware store and specifically this mirrored mylar material. I started using it's transparent and it can control light in different ways, which now I'm finding out, you know, I was working on this 10 years ago, Microsoft and Meta and Apple are now using this silver material. It's actually kind of what really creates the magic of augmented reality as far as a headset, because you can see virtual objects in our physical world using uh, different lighting uh, capabilities with mirrors. Uh, so for the past 10 years, I've been developing my headsets. We've had like these older ones that were used like in uh, sci-fi films, like these geodesic uh, headsets. Uh, and now working more with um, this type of design. So this is uh, this is actually based on the Penelope Zero. 
the idea is you would take a smartphone. So everyone has a smartphone mostly, and they just insert their smartphone into the device. Now you have an augmented reality headset, virtual reality headset that can be produced with maybe $5. And you compare $5 versus a $3,500 headset, I feel that this is a way to bring the masses to metaverse and to really enhance our lives uh, for everyone, not just for the top of engineers or top architects or surgeons. I feel it's ridiculous, the pricing of these uh, technologies when really we have the ability to create them today for everyone. Yeah, thank you. you. You've touched yes. on a, a lot of points uh, that we're going to touch on in a little bit, so it's going to be quite interesting conversation. Yeah, yeah, we're starting to tickle them. Cyril. Yeah, I, I really, uh, great job, Ray. Uh, sorry, Jay. Uh, I really feel like the same vibe, actually, because I felt the same way. It's too expensive way the gadgets are being sold out there. We can actually bring out much more cheaper version with the same kind of experience. So, yeah, uh, great work anyway. Yeah, so I, I find that very interesting uh, because Swapatrim um, last year, I think in a LinkedIn article, you said that basically it would be impossible to bring VR to people because you can't put 8 billion headset on people's head. Uh, uh, does it make change your mind when you see what Jay has come with? Mm, without impacting your sentiment, Jay, <laughs> I still stick to my... Uh, vision because think about this way right now at this point of time 40 percent of the world is still not having an internet connection how many years we have internet almost more than 30 years so think about this way even if you have a five dollar VR headset how long you have to wait for the entire world to put on that for an experience and even if they put on that glass think about the normal daily life Probably you're gonna wear when you're sitting in the sofa, in the couch, maybe you have some time in the evening after the office and something like that. You're not going to wear like 24 by seven. So you need to find those sweet spots where people will try them as new gadgets. They will find it, they will probably buy a lot more, but there'll be the age restriction, like population who are more, you know, more interested in technology. And the population who are not that much into technology, maybe they still are relying on the traditional technology, which are very stable and robust. They will still love them. For example, my parents, I couldn't even put a you know, VR headset up to onto their eyes. I'm trying my best for the last five years. Uh, they're not convinced. <laughs> I tried and they were not really convinced. So from that perspective, yes, VR is ha having a market share. It will, the market share will increase. But I don't see in a long run, even like 100% of the world will use VR headset. Whereas AI has much more benefit because even you can pick up, pick up a smartphone, you don't need any gadget. You don't need any something. Just pop, poof, and AI comes up on your phone. That's very easy. And for a native person who has no idea in technology, but still they're interested in all those AR and VR stuff, it's easy for the learning curve perspective. So just you know, without any having a tons of learning curve and expenditure, they can set up foot into this uh, world. Jay, well, uh, Jay, in your perspective, is it the right way to to bring a VR headset or VR solutions to everybody? Is is that is that even realistic? I believe one of the greatest 
industries that will be impacted by VR, AR is education. I think it can really increase our capabilities if you can have hands-on training with simple to complex topics as if you're really there. I, I really kind of imagine reinventing the classroom instead of maybe people looking at the whiteboard or blackboard, you know, they actually can look at each other and kind of interact in new ways. Uh, so that being said, when we talk about the classroom and we're talking about the entire world, I feel like it is possible that, you know, not everyone has glasses, right? Not everyone maybe can see. However, we wear glasses. This is a technology that we kind of adopted. And I feel like within the next 10 years, it's going to be more pervasive that everyone is going to have some sort of AI assistance or augmented reality partner to help them go throughout their day. Microsoft calls it co-pilot, right? Uh, so I think that with the augmented reality, we have this new capability as a human species in a way to really evolve while we are still within our own time frame, within our own life. In the 1900s, they called it cyborg. And we don't really talk about cyborg so much now, but I feel like it is becoming a way to augment ourselves to become better and do more. Yeah, it's funny because we are already anticipating a lot of the topics that, and I see that we are very warm at the moment, so we can definitely jump into. So one of the things that uh, we liked was to try to understand the work, uh, what Mark Zagenberg could think about, you know, Vision Pro, because of course, uh, you know, that's uh, now now the game is there. So I uh, so and and uh, we found some content so. Uh, now what do we do is um, is go in this direction and uh, and you know uh, as usual uh, watch some uh, funny videos, interesting videos coming from uh, uh, the social media and uh, and try to comment them uh, with you to understand what is your opinion. The first one that I want to bring to your attention, and I'm gonna just anticipate a bit the topic because this way um, our audience that is not watching the video but actually. Uh, listening uh, to the podcast only, then then uh, we'll understand. This is an interview. On the other side, there is Mark Zuckerberg. We have uh, two videos that go in this direction, and let's uh, uh, listen what what happened here. I have to ask. Apple just announced a mixed reality headset called Vision Pro. What do you think about this headset? Well, a, a few high-level thoughts. I mean, first, I do think that this is a certain level of validation for the category. So I think that there's a chance that that them coming in actually increases demand um, for the overall space. You know, of course, the, the $3,500 price, um, you know, on the one hand, I get it for with all the stuff that they're trying to pack in there. On the other hand, a lot of people aren't going to find that to be affordable. Okay. <laughs> I like how he's actually, it should be more, I think I would have expected this kind of question. He doesn't feel like he was prepared to once and he's been very, very careful with the, with his words. He doesn't want to say something that he can regret. But generally speaking, he's making two points there where he's saying, first point is, well, what you guys were doing before, saying before, this is very, very pricey. So it's not, it's definitely not going to be for uh, for anyone, for uh, everyone. Everyone, yeah. For everybody. Uh, and the second point he's trying to make is actually trying to position it in a different direction. He's actually saying uh, this is it's not going to be the same as a Vision Pro. 
and uh, but if anything, it will increase the demand for the yeah. overall overall space. And it's vali- also validation for the categories. Well, Pratim, what is your opinion on this uh, on this video and the market Zuckerberg tools? Since you just opened this video, a quick question to everyone on this board: Has anyone tried uh, the Meta Thread, which has been launched today in hundred countries? Anyone got a chance to have? Well, I'm very curious about this one. It's not yet released, I guess, in Denmark. I couldn't give it a try. But anyway, he's trying a lot of things. Uh, sorry, getting back to your question. I have kind of similar opinion about uh, Apple Vision Pro. The reason is that I haven't tried, to be honest, uh, from a firsthand perspective. So I don't know the experience, the rich, and how rich the experience is. But think about this way. HoloLens, they have brought this kind of experience like 10 years back. Getting these expensive gadgets, like always coming from an Apple brand, I think it's mostly focused on the 0.1% of the market, the elite market. I always try to write like they're the elite market. People who buy Apple phone, MacBook, you know, iPad, they will buy this Vision Pro. Definitely, some of them will buy this. But how much? Or how many people do you think can actually afford this, even if they can replace their entire MacBook with uh, Vision Pro? How many of them will actually use this for the entire day? Because I was uh, probably LinkedIn. I was looking at, a, there was a lady who was giving a review uh, who got a chance to give it a first-hand try. She uh, said that after like 20 minutes, it is getting heated. So you have to put that off because otherwise it's getting a bit of heat on the forehead and on the ear as well. So think about this way, if you're getting a heat and you have to put it off after 20 minutes, how are you going to work for eight hours consecutively? So that's, I guess, either they haven't thought about this or they're a little bit in hurry to launch the product fast in the market because they're already delayed. Everyone was talking about why Apple is not launching this. So they had to, get a pace in the market and they will probably improvise later on but at this point of time there's a tons of competition going on if you're talking about vr headset the price is dropping by well not very much every month or every quarter but still it's quite getting affordable compared to $3,500 on the first place but from that yep. perspective i think it's still expensive to, to answer your question, it's not going to work for eight hours in a row because the battery only lasts two hours. So yeah, <laughs> let's say they have this extended battery, you can replace, you can buy like five yeah, packs yeah. and replace them. Let's go it's in theory. Joke, just, uh, it's a joke just to point out that actually probably as a iPhone 3G, when it came out for the first time, it is a very rudimental, you know, uh, device that will be enhanced uh, of course, uh, after market validation, you know, so probably this is going to be announced later. Uh, and uh, for now, yeah, the limitation of two hours or the device that is eating only after 20 minutes is quite of a big problem. How are you going to watch a film if every 20 minutes you're going to take? Yeah, it that's also one of the popcorn break. Guys, you're talking about <laughs> a prototype here, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I just want to, to, to go back on this affordability questions, just really to close the topic, because uh, having one of the richest minds in the world talking about uh, affordability is a bit ironic. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, so yesterday, uh, Rosely, there, there was some leaks that next year in 2024, Apple will be able to produce 
only about 400,000 units for the Vision Pro. Um, when you put this in perspective, there are 23 million millionaires in dollars in the US alone. So I don't think they have reached like a, a critical mass in terms of uh, their market. So they are only going to address a very small part of the market. Uh, so, you know, this, this price tag, but anyway, it's a computer. You need to compare that with a computer, not with a VR headset. So let's let's put affordability in perspective. Um, uh, what I find interesting is that one, Zuckerberg says that it validates this idea that there is a category for VR headset, but the Vision Pro, from my understanding, is not a VR headset. Is a special computing. I don't know what how they came with this word. Um, and do you see that uh, uh, Jay and Swapatrim as two different categories, or is that the same category of uh, of product? Spatial computing would be a different category. I mean, the, the the issue is at least what we've seen so far with the Vision Pro and how it's been presented. And even Mark points it out in that interview with Lex Friedman that people are just sitting on a couch by themselves watching Netflix, basically. That doesn't really show me the XR capabilities of how I can walk around objects and actually perform any sort of new functionality in this new expanded space. And it is very ironic for Mark Zuckerberg to actually point out the price of a $3,500 headset when he is a billionaire. He actually is the perfect audience for a luxury item. And it's silly too, because it is an entryway into metaverse, these augmented reality headsets. And Meta spent over more budget than I think the NASA Apollo program to send people to the moon to create this metaverse that people are not really using. And the fact that Apple already reports they're going to have less than half a million uh, or half a billion headsets actually created is like they don't even forecast that people are actually going to be using it. And it's like we're creating these uh, very high end devices for profit and not actually for the purpose of doing new things, especially in this expanded space. And spatial computing, especially, I, I really believe that once we actually have volumetric capabilities of uh, recreating, say, people with artificial intelligence, we can maybe do things like communicate with our ancestors through AI. And through AR, I think everyone would want to communicate with their ancestors. And then with more knowledge and uh, new types of uh, interactions, I think would be very capable. But the AR headset I've seen from the Vision Pro, I mean, I'm, I'm not really impressed. It's just, I also really think too that adding a video display to the front, I wonder if that costs $1,000 extra because it's not a see-through pass-through. It's actually fake eyes that people are seeing. They're seeing a video recording of their eyes. And it just seems unnecessary to have an extra video display. It's just so excess. That's the thing. It's just it's pure luxury. It's for people who want to show off. And they're probably just going to watch Netflix at the end of the day. I want to stay on the on the on the marketing side of this operation, you know, because when they announced it, now we have a funny video here that uh, that shows the the crowd reaction uh, in this event about uh, the you know the announcement of Vision Pro. Apple Vision Pro starts at thirty four ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> so so the the, the idea of, uh, 
behind this video is that uh, people are reacting, you know, very loudly to the to the price, saying, "Oh, come on, it's too much." Uh, but but I made the calculation about uh, uh, you know the five the first five hundred thousand, let's say half a million devices that will be produced in twenty twenty four, and uh, according to the fact that. Uh, Actually, um, we have uh, 23 millionaires, uh, 23 million, uh, million millionaires in uh, in USA. That uh, um, you know, it's not even the 10 percent of a million, no, of of it. Uh, probably, it's not even the five percent of it. So, if you think about it, if they go sold out, and pretty much probably it will happen, it's gonna be one dot seventy five billion dollars uh, revenues in just one shot. Uh, and uh, this is quite uh, quite interesting, and in, from my perspective, also connected to the fact that they have not been talking that much about VR, AR, but they re even reinvented the category into spatial computing. You know, they have been marketing this very specifically, uh, moving a bit away from Google Glasses, from uh, MetaQuest, where we will see in the next video uh, that involves Mark Zuckerberg is also going. Uh, into into this uh, direction but um, um and and that is uh, is definitely interesting because uh, opens uh to some uh, strong differences that uh, there seems to be between metaquest and uh, and vision pro let's uh, watch also this one and then we will comment it together if what you want is the text that you read on a screen is as crisp as possible, that, that leads you to making a $3,500 device. Made this point about not wanting to have controllers. I think if you care about gaming, having a controller allows you to have a more tactile feel and allows you to capture fine motor movement much more precisely than what you can do with hands without something that you're touching. We're more focused on, on kind of social experiences, entertainment experiences. So I think that there is a use case for that for sure. But I, I just think that the companies, we, we've basically made different designs design trade-offs to, to get to um, the use cases that we're trying to serve. Uh, Jay, very briefly, my, my question is the following. Do you see that um, uh, MetaQuest is going to be more for the gaming industry and instead the Vision Pro can become more into education and business? Uh, what do you think? Yeah, Metaverse will become part of the gaming industry once it becomes affordable for gamers. Gamers do not like NFTs. They do not like Metaverse because who wants to pay $1,000, million dollars just to play and join a video game? The idea of like having Metaverse for everyone, uh, it will be actually powered by games. I do think they will be the first people really actually in there once it's actually marketed towards them. Because right now it's marketed towards investors. It's marketed towards VCs to get into Metaverse. And I do see large corporations trying to get into metaverse but again the way they're getting to metaverse they're finding out there really aren't sales like tommy hilfiger was just in the uh decentraland uh, fashion week for example and they only sold like four thousand dollars worth of clothing during a major fashion week hosted by vogue uh, so it's like the way that i think yes the mass adoption ever is going to happen is when it's much more cost effective and more actual trying to build a community instead of just purely for profit. Yeah, and, and, and I can add on top, like Metaverse is coming, definitely. But I don't know what's the timeline because probably we had kind of like small pockets of Metaverse before, like when the gaming was there, online gaming community was there. Counter-Strike, when you're playing online with a bunch of people, you're kind of creating a pocket Metaverse anyway. But Right now, things are actually going on gimmick because last year, I think uh, I heard that 
there was some uh, startup who actually sold the real estate inside the metaverse and that was very expensive and there were some buyers who actually bought those real estate virtually in a very with very thick money actually so i don't know that what they will use of those spaces what if the computers die <laughs> they're going to rip off all those uh, real estate out of nowhere so there are some kind of buzzwords uh, vcs are feeling these things but at the same time i don't see that right now we have that technology to create a complete metaverse at a go. So we are very going near every day, lots of new technological innovations are coming in, but we need something to connect the dots and create a whole wholesome experience instead of like Roblox world or Tommy Hilfiger world and other metaverse world and going in those directions. I see. And uh, uh, we found actually an article. Let's see if I can uh, quickly get to it. Um, is it uh, this one? Yeah, Apple is ignoring something big about augmented reality. You might not be isolated from other people, but they are isolated from you. <laughs> this is interesting. And uh, according to what I heard today, that this, uh, this is more a product for, uh, you know, millionaires and uh, for people, you know, toy for rich people, then this uh, seems to create also a kind of, uh, you know, division between who is going to still use eventually the smartphone and who instead, uh, I don't know, I'm thinking five years uh, in the future probably, but, uh, but that's the um, something that uh, everyone is starting to to notice, you know? Uh, uh, you know, Michele, just look at people right now in the smartphones and they isolate themselves, you know, just in public transport, uh, uh, in the park, extra. The, the behavior is basically you are with your smartphone and you isolate yourself from the rest of the world. So I don't see how is that going to be different uh, for better or worse with a headset. Um, um, let me let me try to to um, you know explore more the topic. Imagine uh, I was imagining you know how it's five years now probably that I'm talking about this removing all the monitors removing all the you know laptops from the office and uh, eventually have uh, the possibility to uh, have uh, not anymore the boundaries of a monitor of uh, uh, a smartphone for coding or for UI UX design and other activities that usually we conduct in lasting dynamics uh, but literally if you want to make this happen at the moment you have to buy you know, how many Vision Pro devices for everyone in order to make this happen. And uh, and still, uh, this is going to isolate everyone else that eventually is working from home uh, that doesn't have a device or didn't receive yet a device, and then they will not be able to interact. So in order for me to have uh, a call with Frank and, uh, uh, you know, this... Uh, enhanced uh, way of having a call where eventually we don't meet uh, you know on, uh, online in the classic uh, uh, teams etc but but we have holographic interaction uh, that is uh, that is going to happen only for both of us have the device you know so it's it's dividing in a certain way no well, I don't know if it I makes sense. Before, actually yeah please please sorry uh, because I think the more we're getting advanced with technology, it's certain that we are going to be a bit isolated from each other. But when we are talking about getting human touch, we are talking about be with our family, be with someone whom we love, whom we care, 
whom we want to get, get around with this. These kind of basic human instincts will not go away. For example, I found there was an old archived image from 1925 or 20s somewhere. Uh, and there was an image like uh, in a tr tram in New York, the people were just reading newspapers and it was been an article. It, it, actually, there was an article published saying that newspaper is creating a havoc in the society. It's separating people out of that. So people are just opening the newspaper and they're not getting in touch with the neighbor or the outer world. So it is creating a complete bubble where people are just getting isolated from each other. It's a vice to the society. Interesting, interesting article. Exactly 100 years from now, <laughs> we are there. <laughs> Makes the total sense, Frank. Uh, uh, that's actually interesting, but uh, I guess those we are talking about those kind of activities that you still would tend to do by yourself, like reading, reading a newspaper, for example, uh, when you're on your iPhone, maybe you're just on your newsfeed and so on and so forth. But from even from the Vision Pro introduction, you could see that some activities that you might that you tend to do with others, like watching a film, for example. There were no examples of, of course, people doing it together because that would have just been weird having two people with two devices next to each other watching the same, the same film. Uh, and so to go back to the point you were making before, I agree with you, but in a different way, meaning that, for example, for people that are distant, even if you don't have the same device and one person only has it, there might be the technology might still be able to put into communication. You're just going to have a different and maybe better experience than the person that doesn't have it. But all of the people around you in the office, even if they're wearing the same device, isn't, it's just like you probably doesn't feel like you're working mm, together yeah. anymore. You're in your environment. And say. there are still a couple of aspects to take in account that the technology will advance. So I'm, as it happened for smartphones, most probably if this becomes mainstream, you know, other hardware will arrive and reduce the price quite strongly. So so uh, that happened with the, the every Android device, you know, on the market after after uh, iPhone. But, uh, but again, it's really, really a matter of understanding if uh, Vision Pro will be adopted, you know, uh, and, and used and become a thing. Okay, um, I think that the, the next one is uh, a very interesting content. And uh, uh, somehow this was already anticipated in the conversation. I think uh, uh, Jay was, uh, was talking about this. Uh, let's uh, so this guy is just uh, predicting how uh, the augmented reality will be in the upcoming years. He says uh, five years. I don't know if he's right, if it's going to be less or more, but let's watch it. it. It's definitely interesting. The world just changed forever and you might not notice it today and you might not notice it tomorrow, but in 15 years, you will know exactly where it started. <laughs> You see, what Apple's done here isn't just introduce a really expensive pair of ski goggles. They've introduced a whole new type of computer. Just like the Macintosh was a new type of computer in 1984, and the iPhone was a new type of computer in 2007. It just so happens that this one lives on your face. And it's moving us into a future where instead of everyone looking down at their phones, they're looking out into a world where the line between the physical and digital has completely collapsed. There will be no more phone calls. Instead, our long-distance communication will be done through 3D holograms. You'll be able to read the temperature and air quality by 
just looking outside. If you're ever in a foreign country, you'll have real-time translation for both audio and text and GPS instructions laid out on the ground in front of you. You'll also see people wearing digital clothing. And right now, the tech might seem a little bulky and way too expensive for the average consumer, but it's only going to get cheaper, sleeker, and more integrated with our daily lives from here on out. Okay, so a lot of good points. The translation points seems really interesting. But okay, I will let you comment it because it's uh, it's pro probably full of uh, of ideas. Uh, I have a question to to start with Jay, if you don't mind. Is you know all the visualizations we see about uh, uh, VR are very uh, cartoonish and sometimes childish in terms of rendering. Uh, uh, don't you think that? you know and you know i i i'm talking here to your artistic side uh, uh don't you think that's going to be very different at the end from what has been created so far so this is actually a very good point that i've noticed that the best augmented reality experiences i've actually got to experience were the cartoon ones the ones that are very lightweight because if you have this unreal engine 5 super detailed gigabyte file that someone has to download on their phone to experience this virtual world they're not going to have that capability if they're in a dead zone or wherever this public installation is there's no wi-fi it's very difficult however the very small four megabyte file that i can just easily download which is again why it's kind of cartoony and simplified is it's just easier for everyone to actually experience this example of augmented reality even what we're seeing right here this is mostly ui based that's what augmented reality i think is going to be mostly uh, driven by is just this new visual communication of what can I see as far as instructions or navigation. And again, when you think about the core of it, it really is just lines on a screen. It isn't really three-dimensional necessarily. That adds to the depth. It adds to the experience. However, the, and again, it kind of against that too, the actual, we want the more detailed, the immersive environments. We want to get lost in these big virtual worlds. And again, I feel like that's more going to be virtual reality instead of augmented reality. I do think augmented reality is going to be more important going forward because again, this is something that you will be able to wear every day. You know, you can drive around, I guess, talk to people, have conversations, and we can have this new visual format that we can see as we're talking uh, and kind of create this new baseline that everyone can understand in a spatial environment. Uh, well, I can't remember the name of that startup. They tried to bring an air lens, a literally uh, lens on your eye, instead of having a glass, you know, other headset and everything. Unfortunately, they just announced two months back that they are shutting down that project. They actually made up a lens with AR. They made the world's first AR uh, lens, which you can put on um, on your iris, and then they just see everything with AR. And that's without having the, it was a kind of a small compute chip with a small battery. Everything was packed inside the lens. That was an absolute brilliant piece of technology. So when this guy is preaching like Apple is bringing the new world, I slightly doubt to be honest, because the technological marvel has actually surpassed the way Apple is showing nowadays. But out of funding, and uh, it was not that much you know, accepted by the general population that startup just decided they will only focus on app-based uh, AR and VR for the time being. 
unless the market is ready. So this let's shut down this uh, the this, this lane spaced AR. So I could see if you can imagine a future. I would say if I am imagining a 15 year down the line, I don't want to use any of the classes, right? Because the point is like having less of the equipments. Rather, I would say having like a some kind of lens I just put on on my eye that should be doing everything that should you know run like things in AR or VR or something like this because the more I put on gadgets it will not increase your capability when you are running down you know in a normal life getting on the bus going to public transport running for groceries going to office it's not every time you are doing very sophisticated things but you have your daily life which sometimes it needs a lot of robustness and but you still need those kind of experience like going to the shopping mall uh, you know grocery store going seeing a package you know all the pricing comes up like ar you need something very lightweight integrated probably with your body at some point of time maybe with your eye and that could be the the next leap forward instead of using smartphones you know uh, apps web-based stuff vr goggles and all this stuff so that's how I envision things in next 15 years, it may or may not come, but that should be the way when actually we could say, okay, now we have taken the leap actually to the next level. We are getting less of the gadgets and see how much we are actually, all the gadgets we're trying to trim down every day and that will be the trend in the future as well. Joe, do you think so? I see. Uh, yeah, uh, in, in this video, they, he also uh, brings up the topic about uh, localization. Uh, so, and actually here is more about getting indications. Um, and that actually from, from a digital transformation perspective, if we want to, you know, look at uh, as a, as an evolution of the technology that we have at the moment and solving real problems, one of the problems that you usually have with the smartphone is that if you are, uh, I don't know, uh, driving or, uh, you know, going on bike or, uh, or uh, like in this case, you might have some limitations. Actually, you cannot use your smartphone. So these can uh, uh, solve the problem. But uh, what I hear today is that the biggest problem is the adoption. Sometimes you cannot convince, you know, a, a, I don't know, a grocery store owner to jump on a $20 per month uh, uh, e-commerce platform. <laughs> it's going to be hard, you know, to, to probably convince someone to, to wear a 3,500 3, device for, uh, for solving this problem. I, I see, I see it, I understand it. Okay. Um, I actually, I, I would like to go back uh, to a point that Jay made uh, before, and I totally agree with you when you said um, that seems like Vision Pro. It's more UI based. It's like it's a it's a, it's enhancing your reality through UI, uh, and this is this is what it looks like. And uh, even based on the frameworks that they are basing it for AR Kit and Reality Kit Composer and so on and so forth, this is what it looks like uh, they want to do. But at the same time, they have announced. Uh, the, they will support Unity for app creation on the device. And I, I, I want to ask you, since Unity is a, a, um, a game engine, uh, who they are trying to target that to? So who they are trying to talk to? Why they why the choice also supporting Unity? They just want to be able to have an environment for developers to have to pay Apple tax through their app store. That's really, they just want more 
apps and experiences so they have to target developers who are going to be building with unity because as an indie developer myself i mean we don't have the funds to create these big massive games but I, I'm, I'm already thinking about ar and experimenting with the vision os uh, figma files to create the ui i do believe that though <laughs> with you using unity there will essentially be more experiences to actually have otherwise it's just gonna be rather dull i mean if you think about it the kind of demos that they really showed were again mostly video based they showed some sort of like interaction like i can have a a video call with people and again it's not really game based and i might be wrong but i do believe the vision pro is still dependent on a smartphone connecting to it to actually power the operating system in a way so that's why a lot of the games that we see in the videos we see of the vision pro look like not next generation graphics or video games because it's still running on a mobile phone. It's still basically is these Angry Bird mobile phone games you're going to be playing in this $3,500 um, headset. And uh, yeah, I have two other contents that uh, seem to close a bit the, the conversation on the gaming uh, topic um, and also, uh, you know, um, uh, expand probably the the idea of what we saw during the, uh, the the presentation, because of course that is limited, but pretty much was uh, frames and uh, you know and the screens that you can move around and uh, and you know that is the special computing that uh, that we felt from the from the presentation. But let's start first with this content. Uh, this is again Mark uh, uh, showing uh, first. Uh, you know, presentation of uh, what is mm, capable to do MetaQuest uh, 3. Um, and it's totally different. You know, it's totally gaming, only gaming, I would say. This is Quest 3, our most advanced headset yet. It's got high resolution color mixed reality. It's got a lot better displays and a lot more experiences. And with the new pancake lenses that we've designed, it's also a lot thinner. Okay, you ready? We've brought full color pass through to Quest 3. So now you can see the world around you wherever you are. Oh, this is kind of wild. The graphics are sharper and clearer, so you can seamlessly blend virtual objects with the physical world. I mean, this is pretty fun. With mixed reality, you can work out in your own linear. More like fighting agents. Ow! You just gotta take out this octopus. And... Hey, boss. You wanna get medieval? Yeah, let's do it. Here we go. <laughs> All right, let's find that. Oh, I think I got a deep cut on that. Not looking good over there. <laughs> I feel it, bro. Yeah. So as, as I was anticipating, this is totally gaming, 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 and uh, they they advertise it this way. And then of course this is this, it's uh, it's lighter and uh, I don't know it's better. <laughs> this is how you is trying to you, to sell it. It's totally different uh, way. Um, uh, Zwopratim, my my question for you is: uh, Do you uh, think that um, the the that Meta somehow uh, is losing ground in this competition, uh, or or trying to um, how can I say retarget uh, the the audience for these devices? Uh, what is your opinion in this uh, now duality where Vision Pro is presenting uh, zero games and uh, 
on the other hand, instead, the meta is uh, highly verticalized on the gaming uh, industry. First of all, I I just want to repurpose my statement because probably by this time I'm looking like more like an anti VR guy, which I'm not. <laughs> but uh, I think that the most effective way of using VR, of course, the number one should be the game or is the game right now. But there are many other appliances where VR could be a very huge, effective thing, including education, you know. Uh, old care or you know, trauma care and different uh, fields where it could be, it could bring a tons of benefit. But somehow, uh, Zap is trying to focus only on the gaming. Maybe he's trying to retarget the, the focus from the meta, the meta users towards the metaverse. The metaverse didn't work that well. So he's trying to pull those audience from there back to the hardware, uh, the MetaQuest 3. So that could be a you know a business purpose to retarget that same audience, bringing them towards his own uh, you know all the accessories that Meta is releasing. On the other hand, Apple, as you can see, uh, since their birth, Steve Jobs never ever tried to focus on a gaming perspective. Whatever he gadget he actually brought in, that he always brought a kind of dream perspective that when you use this you achieve a dream and that's where gaming fun stuff is not always part of those new technical leap apple is i guess still carrying that legacy and vision pro is focusing that legacy so it's not getting into the the gaming but eventually what chase said it could be the case that people would buy them and will still play angry bird which is probably the the, the true case in the future maybe but I guess the, the focus is like Zap knows that when he's, uh, uh, you know, bringing a new MetaQuest 3, he's not going to battle against Apple because Apple, by its worth, is a huge company with a very stable from audience and ground on the, on the market. So he's trying to focus on the retargeting this, another segment of customers who will buy his product because of different products and retargeting and stuff that could work uh, differently on them. So that's the region, I guess, that Apple focus on the elite segment. Mark is trying to focus the, the region just beyond that elite segment. And that's why his point of pricing came into that interview, because his perspective is not because he's a billionaire, he cannot afford a MetaQuest Pro, uh, sorry, uh, a Vision Pro, but his focus is on his customers who are going to buy this kind of stuff and who are coming from what kind of socioeconomic perspective. So that's where this whole differentiation is coming from. That's my view. Okay, okay. Um, I want to bring now this, this other topic that is more about user experience. Okay, so, um, and we can eventually start from uh, this content. Um, this is literally showing uh, Twitter, uh in augmented reality it is a flat screen fluctuating you know in the kitchen and then you pretty much use a browser version of uh, of twitter okay um and of course we know that when you were a, a vr you can use a browser and you can you know go pretty much everywhere probably there are a lot of applications uh, desktop application native applications that you can use directly 
through the VR and uh, and pretty much have the same user experience. So Jay, the, the, the question for you is, in terms of user interface, what do you think about this? I, I really want to start from here. I do like that this is like an actual object I could walk around. I see that there's a perspective. It's stuck in this location. That is cool. They're using black to make this transparent uh, background because black is actually kind of the magic of augmented reality and how I am able to create my apps for this kind of device is I just have a UI with black background and suddenly it's floating in space. This is kind of strange though, because I don't know exactly how I'm going to be interacting with it. Do I have, is it touch-based? Is it actually going to be tracking my fingers as I move around? Or do I have to like still click a button or some sort of other physical device? That part is always the confusing part with AR is that how do we actually use it? How do we actually interact? And I feel like the less that we do, kind of like Meta had a very good computer vision program for finger tracking that I can actually track my fingers in the space using the cameras on the uh, device. I feel like that is going to be ultimately the way we want to interact with uh, these augmented reality spaces, because uh, I do not really want to necessarily have to hold a new type of keyboard or a new type of mouse. I feel like the hardware itself really should just be the glasses you're wearing, and your input should be your fingers or your voice or even just your gaze. You know, this, these more human types of input into this kind of seamless physical virtual space. Um, I want to just add on top of this, and this is an open question for for everyone. Um, do you don't you maybe feel like that this it's just like a a, a mere transposition of the web uh, reality into uh, a different uh, world onto the AR world? This is just literally the, what the web page looks like, and instead of a transposition, it should be a uh, an innovation or. You should reinvent the way the same site is the same application looks using different, you know, the technology that you have at hand. Because to me, this is just uh, uh, the way the AR should not be used. Yeah. I think that's a good point, yeah, Francesco. Because, for example, just the scrolling, we the scrolling on the web is mainly vertical, but in the in the world, real world, enfin, with this type of UI. It will be more horizontal, so you will scroll the tweets this way, not this way. Uh, uh, so, so yeah, as you say, it just looks like very much a transposition of an existing UI into a different channel, but that it hasn't really been thought about. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, and and this is pretty much what we saw in the Apple presentation because that that is that's it you know so this is what i'm i wanted to try to point out with this content you know that uh, uh, this kind of user experience is extremely rough for me okay that it's just uh, uh, sticking with the, what we were doing on the web that then changed on mobile because we we had other kind of uh, you know challenges and uh, uh, with the device sides uh, the screen sides uh, um and probably even different needs than from the web world but now again uh, spatial computing is about uh, having 360 degrees you know view all around you the possibility to stack uh, uh information or tools uh, application one to another because now you have the 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 depth and not only the 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 width and the height you know as dimensions and uh, uh additionally i would uh, 
totally reinvent you know the, the the way you can interact with the objects it doesn't necessarily need to be a screen anymore because you have no limitation in that direction any other thoughts on the on this topic because it seems that now it's pretty much going in that direction even if you have been using the previous uh, vr sets every time you are interacting unless it is a game but you are interacting with the tool business tools etc they still propose you these uh, you know fake screens you know that don't doesn't make any sense i think right now we're in this state we're in this web 2.5 era we have this vision of web 3 but we're still seeing these web 2 websites these web 2 applications this is a perfect example twitter is the web 2 interface but it's not like i'm actually seeing it in a hud that would be different. It's not panoramic at all. I'm not actually experiencing it. It's more like this is just a thing. It's like a website just in the space, which is cool experiment. But again, it's kind of this, and this is a bit off topic, but with blockchain and Web3 applications, there is so much promise of, oh, this is a better way to serve files and have it immutable but we're not really experiencing it. We're still kind of seeing these images and files are on AWS, not fully decentralized. We're kind of in this state of it's, we're just beginning to experience a web three world, a metaverse world. And these are the early experiments of how would we do it? Like, it looks just like an experiment. I think the more or less this, for example, this Twitter page, uh, with web three, when actually it's coming, I'd say we are lacking the, the width in the dimension. We are still envisioning everything in a flat screen perspective. You go this way or this way or this way, it's still a flat-based two-dimensional perspective we are thinking from. When we're really going to 3D world, it should be more or less like a 3D experience. It could be an archive that you can just bring like this with maybe your hand gestures or eye gestures. But it shouldn't be like the existing things. We shouldn't just follow the, the web, then the mobile version, and then do the similar things in exactly with the new technologies. It should be redesigned way of UI, UX, et cetera, that should come with this kind of technologies. Okay, so um, let me see something else about... Uh... Maybe we can go a bit on the uh, on the articles. Uh, there was something about um, differences uh, between. Uh, so this one is saying can Apple's Vision Pro succeed where Google Glass failed, and uh, yeah, this this picture is actually interesting because it's putting together the two uh, projects uh, and uh, and this one somehow seemed even if it comes from the past seemed a little more uh, futuristic than what uh, what we have now of course it is analyzing the high cost versus uh, um, low reward and uh, but but there are some topics that actually uh, seem to be uh, interesting uh, to me and uh, if we read it all and of course we're not gonna do it now but long story short uh, there were some uh, safety and privacy concerns in the Google lenses, you know, Google glasses uh, project. And, uh, and um, uh, additionally, also, uh, there might be some differences in terms of design, you know, social acceptance. So they were two completely different uh, 
projects, but somehow uh, nowadays uh, compared, you know. Uh, so these three points, one is the pricing, we have been uh, extensively discussing it, but privacy, let's talk about safety and privacy. So what, what uh, um, was one of the biggest problem in terms of safety was that uh, augmented reality couldn't be used while you were driving or, uh, you know, could not be safe for yourself and for the others. Privacy concern, I've been reading this a bit, it says, okay, we know for sure that you that your voice uh, um, is recorded uh, and that you are localized. But what happens uh, uh, with everyone else around you that actually you are watching? Okay. And uh, Frank was saying this happens also with the mobile devices. So it's pretty much the same kind of concern. What, what do you think about uh, uh, if we want to try to analyze it from the privacy and safety uh, uh, angle? This is open to anyone. I can give it a shot. Yeah. So what you said is more or less right. And we are actually having the same kind of similar experience from smartphones. But what I can see is when we're talking about security and privacy, I'm talking about the data privacy. Because when you are doing performing things in AR and VR, essentially, you are burning down a lot of data. Somewhere, those data are getting you know, stored in some cloud, AWS, somewhere in someone's server without most of the time your consent. GDPR is something that's in Europe is trying to tackle this kind of question, but it is still a huge amount of regulation and security is needed. So the same reason when I we tried to build our platform up in XR, we focused on the security, the data security, like a banking grade data security, because that part should be taken care of first, then you go building something that should give much more bandwidth because you don't know where your data will be repurposed. For example, Facebook advertising, it's absolutely based on your personal data points being used most of the time without your consent. The same thing can be done while you're using, you know, voraciously AR and VR all these gadgets. So that's something that comes to my mind when you're talking about safety and privacy. Of course, end user perspective also in there, like what happens when it, it disturbs others while they're talking, you know, doing something. But that's the same thing we are seeing when somebody is talking on phone or headphone or something like that. So it's kind of the same nuisance reality facing. To, to be honest, I don't think that the, the matter is where you store your data. Of course, that is important. Uh, GDPR as a, a concrete regulation in the, in this direction, but uh, it's uh, what you actually are storing and what you are not storing. In terms of uh, cybersecurity, one of the best practices ever, and this this is used by governments, by the way, uh, is uh, to uh, literally put offline some important information that should never never be, uh, you know, exposed to the internet, and this like. Uh, uh, highest level of safety from, from that perspective. So here the question is, uh, uh, is this kind of device actually recording the space that you have around and uh, uh, then will be stored somewhere, but what is the usage that you are doing of this data? Okay, so that is uh, probably the question that, uh, that these big enterprises, large enterprises should answer in terms of safety and and uh, uh, in, sorry, in terms of of privacy, because of course, uh, 
I do accept uh, um, policy, the policy of the device terms and conditions once uh, I, uh, you know, create my user profile, etc. But what about all the others around me, you know, that uh, eventually appear into the images, appear into the, uh, into the equation? Um, Jay, what is your opinion on the topic? I absolutely do think that it will be a privacy concern, just like our smartphones. We do believe they're listening all the time. By having glasses be able to see and listen from your perspective, it better understands who you are and how you think. Like once it knows that you are in a room and the way you look at things, because right now it can analyze our photos that we take, but those are things that we like specifically. The Vision Pro and these headsets, they can really analyze the mundane, the things that we don't necessarily look at. And the way it can then say, hey, let's advertise something to fill that space that you don't really look at. And it's just perfect for even, of course, augmented reality ads, I think are going to be a major thing. They're going to be the most interesting things probably to look at because an advertising company can show a Pepsi or Coca-Cola commercial as you walk around a public space. And of course, it can see your eyes and how you actually look at it because it's tracking your eye movement. And in a way, it's going to become this thing that we can't escape. However, I feel like DIY 3D printed headsets that you can just make doesn't come with that. The apps I'll make for this, you can turn on and turn off what actually will be listening to, of course, the app activity. But there are sensors are so low tech that we don't have to necessarily worry about that type of um, listening and intrusiveness that comes from high technology and high sensors. Okay, okay. So, and, and uh, Cyril, instead of from your perspective, in terms of design, if we want to look a bit at uh, the past, you know, and uh, uh, Google's project about uh, about the, the glasses and uh, the new Vision Pro, what, what are your uh, uh, considerations? Uh, someone here in this article is even saying that the Google Glass was actually better in terms of design what do you think i agree i think the google glass was actually very good it was wearable it was very almost like as if you're not really wearing a computer it's just it's just there the vision pro is meant to be a wow factor it's meant to be luxury it's not meant to be common just usable so as far as design i would think that the google glasses or even now the snapchat lens are more interesting because they're like more like a ray-ban type style just glasses Yes, Huawei also has a, has a collection of glasses. Um, what is interesting is Google Glass so was released for developers, but was never released to the general public. And there explains that basically the public didn't want to wear these ugly glasses. Uh, and that was the main reason they never released it. It wasn't the lack of market or whatever. It's just that people did not like the design of the glasses and basically it will, they, they, they were scared it will flop. So it's a bit strange now, basically that people like the, the ski googles of uh, uh, the Vision Pro, which is a, a different purpose also, but the, the design is like more bulky on your face um so uh as google you know uh, uh stopped too early i i'm sure they stopped too early they, they they should have you know continued in this area they were they were doing some uh great prototypes for um in uh, the manufacturing sector 
uh, basically to be able to do the maintenance of uh, the factories, uh, to locate, you know, the different parts. It's much easier, you know, when you have a, a augmented reality and to direct the technicians on the grounds when you are maybe on another continent in a, um, in an engineering room. So uh, there were like real use cases and people were really excited about it. So I don't know why really it stopped. Is it really just because it was ugly that people find it ugly? Not sure. We'll see how people react with the Vision Pro once they have it on, their, on this face, on their face. Yeah, someone else. Yeah, please. Right. I, I have two points. Uh, I think Google was really beyond out of the time uh, mm -hmm. when they released Google Glass. I was about to say this. At the point of time, uh, Pokemon Go actually launched after a year and a half uh, once they released this. So at that point of time, people had no idea that they can actually wear a computer on their glasses. It was like weird thing to wear a computer on the glasses. And the number two was the average streaming rate of internet speed was low. So even if you're wearing something like that one, unless you're in Google headquarters, you're not getting the best experience out of that, which probably get a little bit bashed from the normal people. Think about this, if that were at that point of time, if 5G was there, it could be the best air glasses across the globe. But it's just a matter of time when it just didn't match the other perspective. Okay, I have a few other contents that I really want to discuss with you. One is um, this one that is quite interesting. Look at this. Okay, so for everyone uh, listening to the podcast, uh, this guy is wearing uh, a suit, a suit that is totally futuristic, uh, probably coming from uh, from a movie or whatever. It's it's totally strange, and it's uh, a controller, <laughs> full body controller. So very very interesting, and um, it's like an exoskeleton. Yeah, 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 totally yes. This VR device is insane. It's called an exit suit and it provides force feedback and limb resistance on your entire body. It's basically the rig from Ready Player One and movement, physics, environments, and actions in all VR games can be reflected realistically with this device. That means you can walk, run, dodge, or even fly physically with your own body and without needing to use a joystick. What do you think of this device? Where can I buy it? <laughs> do you want to buy it, Frank? Uh, well, I, I can imagine if if the Vision Pro is three three thousand five hundred dollars, I I can I don't want to even think about the price of this, but it looks it looks really really futuristic, of course, really really cool. Um, and uh, now they're they're only showing the, the applications that you can have on uh, in gamings, but I can assume this can be used in other scenarios as well. Think about like a military combat for example trainings or firefighters training police training uh it could be used to make less dangerous job less yeah. dangerous at least when it comes for the training side of things yeah yeah and it's hella complex to to train uh, in in you know in uh, in these uh, um jobs i would say and uh, i have some friends uh, that uh, that work in you know as a police officer and uh, and they told me that uh, sometimes the training is uh, is definitely even risky, you know, and yeah. uh, and uh, and it's not it's not that uh, simple as we might uh, imagine. And I definitely see that this can replace some 
um, some kind of trainings. Um, and, uh, and of course, this as a gaming experience that is over the top, you know, it's, uh, it's something uh, uh, on a different uh, level. Um, very, uh, very strange, I would say. Uh, wh what do you think? And um, let's start from you, Swopra team. Would you buy a device like this? And uh, generally speaking, uh, uh, which kind of, uh, of applications do you see uh, behind this? Well, uh, maybe after a couple of version upgrades, but definitely I'd like to buy this. And definitely the first thing I would like to play games. I was a gamer back in my college, but that's a long, long, long time ago. But yeah, I think this, this kind of exoskeleton suite with the VR capabilities having a lot more uh, effectfulness in terms of like training, military stuff. And also, for example, like trauma care. A lot of people in, in, uh, in the hospitals and when they get kind of accidents, they need to go to certain therapy, for example, like learn, walk, uh, you know, do certain type of stuff, paralyzed people, they need kind of this kind of uh, coordination. And this could actually help them without them, you know, an external help every time or getting them falling down or trying to get, get afraid of to do the therapy. This can help them immensely to get into a better shape. So that could be a medical device or medical therapy being used across the globe. So not only the fun part, but I could see a lot more opportunity in there. And yeah, if uh, yeah, if my wife doesn't kill me, definitely I'd like to have one in my room as well. <laughs> uh, Jay, you teach us that uh, art and tech can go together. And uh, actually, I have to tell you that since the very first seconds we started to talk, I uh remembered about the story of uh, uh TerraVision where everything was starting actually from art and then it became uh, an application uh, you know a tech application and then later Google uh, Google Earth and we know the whole story do you see any uh, application in the you know in the art sphere in this direction something that we cannot uh, uh you know analyze and see from our perspective so the design of this device is quite fascinating because you can see very much the inspiration from nature. It looks very much like bone color even for mm. the spine and this hip bone that's holding you. And in a way, that's really needed. We really need to look at nature and the organic inspiration to if we are really focusing on human and exosuits. Because when you look at something that's very blocky, it doesn't really make sense. But glasses, again, are circular, like our eyes. And that's why the design itself needs to really accommodate uh, the person wearing it. And again, going back now to thinking about art, artists can maybe try and go super lavish or maybe minimal. You know, there's possibilities to really go any way with this. But from a practical standpoint, I mean, it has this net mesh for your neck because your neck will probably get tired from being moved around so much. And that's more of a needed necessity if you are going to be throwing someone backwards and this is a wild video I have to say uh, I do think though that this would be a great application for training for like zero uh, gravity training for astronauts or for as mentioned medical I do think of people who are paralyzed or maybe living with limb loss this is a great way to maybe bring back for physical therapy, bring back muscle movement and help retrain someone just to 
walk, maybe fly even. Uh, this is a very wild device. Interesting. Okay, the next one, uh, super funny, I would say, at least uh, when we were preparing uh, uh, this episode, we have been uh, laughing a lot. I know that uh, Cyril has quite a strong opinion on this topic. Let's watch it together. Ah, no, this is it's better that I describe it a bit because uh, there is no uh, voice behind this video. So the, the idea is that uh, in this video, there is a guy uh, that is using uh, the smartphone at a football match, a soccer match, and uh, is using this uh, um, augmented reality application for uh, uh, identifying the name of the, the, the players, uh, uh, the, you know, that... Uh, that are playing and um and and yeah so let's watch it first and then a space for some comments now is uh, opening it uh the ui of this app is not the best i would say <laughs> and uh yeah now it's uh, centering the the smartphone on the on the players so that uh probably scanning uh, and uh yeah, now loading Mexico versus USA, I would say. And now um, he's tapping on the players, on the, you know, real players that are playing. And um, and uh, as in FIFA, probably, or uh, any other football game, uh, PlayStation game or whatever, is able to recognize the the name of the of the player. So, what what, what an application I would say, Cyril. Uh, what do you think? What uh, completely useless application? Yeah. Uh, firstly, how much time do you need to launch this application? And you're not watching the game. Uh, and you know, I, I'm very regular in uh, in a football stadium to support my team. Hammers and uh, it, it's uh, uh, when you are in a stadium, you watch a game, you don't watch your phone. Uh, only, only the tourists watch your phone, you know, the ones that come to London and they do the tour of the stadiums, and uh, they are more interested being in the stadiums than watching the game. Uh, and for me, that looks an application that is a ripoff of an uh, American football app. Because you know you have so many stops and breaks, you know, in American football that yeah, you can take your phone and you can say, oh, this is these players extra. Uh, in uh, football soccer, uh, I mean, like Mbappe, you know, when uh, one second is here, two seconds later he's at the other side of the pitch. So <laughs> you are not going to follow him, you know, with your app. Uh, I, I uh, that's for me that's kind of fake usage. Doesn't bring any value. Um, but yeah, let's see what Jay and uh, Swapatrim have to say. Swapatrim, my, my question for you is, uh, why should I pay a ticket to watch uh, the game uh, from my phone? And uh, and uh, do you think that uh, uh, replacing the hardware, in this case, eventually with the NAR set, uh, this could solve the problem or it's still a bad experience? Uh, what do you think about this video? First of all, I could actually remember this video because I shared during the World Cup. Uh, in my LinkedIn. Uh, so, but to be honest, if you look at this app, you need to be at the stadium, right? In order to use that, which means you're going to spend money buying a ticket and spend money for a subscription. Either way, right? So you're not going to skip any of them. So for me, it's it's more like a gimmick to me 
because I have never seen this app getting traction once the World Cup was finished. I have never seen any club uh, or in, you know FIFA or other tournament or anywhere. I haven't seen this app being used to getting viral anywhere. So because you know Cyril was absolutely right. When you're being at stadium, you want to get the vibe, right? Otherwise, you are sitting before a TV. So why are you going to the stadium? You got to get the vibe. You want to see them live, cheer them up. So that's the whole point. So this kind of AR, it's a cool technology. Uh, runtime rendering, that's a very accurate stuff. It's quite cool, but I don't see a real utilization of this app. It, it's more like a gimmick. During the whole season. And uh, this is a question for both Cyril and Swapper team. Uh, do you think it's the hardware problem? So, do you think it would be a better experience if instead of having to grab your phone and point it at the, at, at the field and actually spending time there, would you actually, would it be better if you had the headset, like the Vision Pro, let's say, on your head? And so it's like you're wearing glasses and it's like an augmented reality, like you're just watching the game, like you would normally do, you just get more information on top of what you would normally have. Would you try it? Would you think it's a better alternative or still that isolates you from the other people? No, unless that, that you know, if I could grab a Google Glass and it would actually portray me this kind of experience, I would love to have this. I would actually could grab any of those kind of air headset unless it's been thrown out due to you know, cheering up my team. Uh, otherwise, it's uh, actually an effective way to do these things because in reality, when you're sitting in the stadium, it's not always you are seeing the entire match with very high clarity, right? So an AR stuff or a technology that can actually uh, accelerate or expand your vision and your information be actually a good way to, to experience the whole match. So, yeah, why not? Of course. You know, for, for me, this app has been designed by someone who never go to see a game whatever games because he doesn't understand what is to be in a stadium uh, it's a social event you are here to support you know one team or another it's uh, you you talk to people it's probably the only time where i don't use my phone is when i am in the stadium uh so uh, trying to uh, improve augment this experience why not but you know the reality is when you are in the stadium firstly you always you, you come with your family or with friends uh, and if you have a questions you ask people around you you are, you are not going to pull your you know your phone you are firstly going to ask people around you uh, you know who is this player where is he come from you know what did he play last year extra this is the reality of uh, what, what happens in the stadium uh, only if someone asks a very difficult question and no one has an answer then someone will will will, will check on their smartphone but I think this, as you say, uh, Swapatrim, it's a gimmick. It doesn't solve any problem. That's, no. yeah, that's the main point. And, you know, back in 2015, when I worked for HP, we had the stadium offering. Uh, and guess what? It didn't sell. <laughs> uh, because, because it's very difficult to monetize. You know, even if you had food and beverages and etc., you can't monetize um, uh, this type of app in the stadium. I could see, or I could foresee, like uh, in the recent NFL games, you could see that in the break time, there is like these augmented reality commercials coming up on the big screens, the billboards right there. Like suddenly the, the burger is coming up out of that one. 
So if that kind of air is being portrayed on the bigger screen inside the stadium, that could be another way, good way to see the things, right? Because then if you're missing something, you can quickly just look at the billboard and, oh, okay, the big screen is actually capturing everything with all the minor details. That could be a good way to capture with AR, not with your smartphone in this case. So I completely agree with you, Sivin. I think the only real problem that we have here is that you cannot see from far the name of a, of a player on, a, on his uh, T-shirt. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and But, you know, even if you don't see, you know their height, you know their build, you know their speed, you know their position on the pitch. Uh, you know, you don't need to to see the number on the back of the jersey. You know, you know the, the oh, color yeah. of the hair. You know, it's it's obvious sometimes. You know, <laughs> oh, this is I really hard. doubt a bit because uh, the the reason is that when you're capturing from a smartphone, is it the camera vision which is capturing the player data and showing you, or is it some kind of rendered data? Because if your your smartphone camera might not be that powerful, even to get all those information like height, width built hair, some kind of stuff, right? So I was a little bit skeptical when I first saw that app, like how much is it real time or it's kind of rendered video or rendered information. So you're actually seeing like a few couple of seconds, maybe late uh, transmission on the fly. So I, I believe with this specific app, how it's working is they probably have those very expensive cameras that are recording the game are probably using that kind of data, computer vision, to let them know, hey, this person's at this position on the field. Because so I do not think it is my smartphone is actually knowing, hey, that's messy for someone. Mm -hmm. uh, this was honestly the most realistic video we actually saw of all these, because this is not a commercial. This is just an actual use case of all the pains of like, okay, I need to click this. It's loading. It's loading. And then it's just kind of like weird to actually use it. And it's not like these cool commercialized mixed reality uh, videos we're watching this is just the most real and i'd make augmented reality for stadiums so i think the best use case for augmented reality stadiums is i imagine if maybe like a football player had an augmented reality headset in a way to actually understand the plays and communicate with their teammates to also maybe uh, use computer vision to prevent injuries such as concussions uh, these are possibilities with an augmented reality in this uh, for FIFA specifically. I think a better use case would be like creating a really cool halftime show. Like during when there is no one on the field, have this cool three-dimensional object appear. Like I'm working on a 200-foot alligator uh, for a football stadium to appear during a halftime show and could have the alligator fighting the uh, visiting uh, team. So like maybe like a bear or something and have this large scale stadium size experience uh, that everyone can kind of see from their own perspective. So they can kind of take a photo of it. Like I see, you know, this character from this angle, someone else sees it from a different angle. But this, of course, is just more like, okay, I see the players. This isn't really adding too much more to the actual experience. Yeah. There is another angle, actually, a couple of months back, uh, there is a Danish football club. Uh, so we were having some kind of uh, to and fro conversation and they wanted to, to launch a jersey. So they wanted to launch like twice or thrice jersey uh, every year. And they wanted to adopt augmented reality, some kind of like QR score or something that could be attached to the, you know, to the jersey. So whoever is buying this is kind of like a souvenir 
Then they can just scan this. It will show up their favorite player, whoever is coming new to the club, those stats and specs, and he's waving and saying something, cheering up stuff. So that could be a completely personalized jersey experience, and that could increase their sales. So that I could see a, another perspective, how we can use AR on related to football and this kind of stuff as well. Not the football field related, but still kind of like some excitement and uh, for the audience and other stuff, fans. So product designed in the end. So this product was, <laughs> you know, considering all these aspects. Uh, I just want to say that I've been saying Mexico, USA, actually it's Iran. <laughs> so I'm, I apologize. I confused the flags. Okay, I want to close. I, w- I wish to close this episode with the one last topic that... Uh, uh, somehow um i don't know if it is uh, pushing a little too much on the meaning of ar if we can uh, l- really define ar what we will see in the future that is uh, predicted by this uh, this uh, uh, reel or uh, actually this guy is a genius and this you know a visionary at at least so the, the, the video is a future of augmented reality and is putting it from a completely different perspective. Someone, uh, you know, makes him a question and the answer goes in, a, in, in this, you know, total different idea about AR or at least futuristic and visionary. Let's see. I think AR is not going to be visual. AR is going to be entirely based on brain to computer interfaces or peripheral nervous system interfaces. Like you're familiar with Brainport? Brainport was a company that was building an electrohaptic pad with a resolution of, I think, 124 by 124. It went on your tongue and it allowed you through neuroplasticity yes. to learn to see through your tongue. People who are amputees have learned to control artificial limbs using it. They've learned to feel from touch sensors using it. And they've even learned to control multiple limbs from a single median ner- or peripheral cup electrode. You can now have a much more valuable AR system that is not constrained to the limitations of the vision system and allows you to fully use your vision on other things rather than just data io okay so this is expanding the concept of augmented reality to all the senses i would say let's start from you jay what do you think i've never seen this and i think this is incredible the fact that you can use your tongue to interpret the world in a way it's the opposite of what apple is doing which is the super lavish thing i need everyone to see they need to see the apple logo i'm not going to see that if it's on under your tongue and the fact that it's a 124 Pixel resolution tells me that this is very much an AI. They're teaching a model. They're training it. So I think this is amazing. And uh, the fact that yes, uh, phantom limb pain is such a great uh, training ground to really learn about the human capability of like how do our arms work? How do we interact with the world? And if we can actually solve ways to recreate our interactions uh, physically, we can easily recreate them probably digitally. And in this case, bring it back into the physical world to have it as a, again, as an augmentation. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And we're talking about digital transformation. Usually you touch a lot of uh, uh, technologies uh, that, are, that are evolving and, and growing. Today, we have not been discussing uh, uh, many of them because we were focusing in this direction. But definitely one of the things that uh, potentially we can see in the future in uh, in the topic is also talking about uh, how human being can somehow 
start uh, uh, having benefits of combining them like AI plus, uh, uh, you know, uh, artificial arm plus, uh, uh, you know, sensors and IoT devices that can help to. So the combination of all these uh, technologies that are exploding now that are uh, um that we usually discuss in this podcast can be something fantastic uh, for for human being so uh, so Pratim, do you agree with it what, what is uh, have you ever seen any application of this uh, uh, what is your angle so first of all this is an amazing video and this reminds me of uh, i have seen actually one interview with the famous physicist dr michio kaku and uh, the, the interview was more or less like uh, what if we can transfer our conscience into a robotic entity or a, you know, brain compute interface if we can transfer ourselves you know, to enhance our longevity? That's a different topic, but it just touched based on that perspective because this guy was talking about brain compute capacity or a hybrid sector along with our peripheral segment, right? So that's a whole new or I'd say advanced technology and to be honest, we should go in that direction because the le- you know you should trim your technology. You should trim it to make it more powerful, and that's what he was trying to focus. Like it can bring a lot more out of just to showing some you know animations and Mickey Mouse dancing on the screen. And that should be the way of going forward. So yeah, I mean that's uh, really the this is the best video I've seen in this whole session. To be honest, thank you for that. And uh, yeah, the the power is potentially too much. It's a great opportunity out there. Great. Cyril and Frank, last comment from your side. What do you think, Cyril? Should we start from you? Well, we are talking about augmented human here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a... Uh, um, I don't know. It's a, it's like, it's a, uh, you know, we were talking about the exoskeleton uh, earlier, and this is like a, an extension <laughs> of, uh, of of this. Um uh, I'm like uh, St. Thomas, you know, I will believe it when I see it. <laughs> just like, uh, I find this amazing, which is like, you know, uh, where are we going to go with that? I understand, you know, the, the use cases for um, uh, people with disability, uh, uh, but beyond that, you know, what are the use cases? Yeah, mesmerizing, I guess. The, the the main use cases we just watched them on on the video is going to help a lot like to operate my idea before of how we could use the the uh, exit suit that we saw before that's going to mainly be applied to medical uh industry and that's going to make a lot of a difference um i'm struck i'm still struggling to understand exactly how it works because i always try with this and okay but what is he talking about exactly how that would work i can only see how that can benefit us and uh, I guess, I guess uh, a lot is ahead of us in the next few years. Stunning. Yeah, what, what, sorry, I just uh, want to interrupt you for a second. This video is exactly opening a, you know, a complete new portal for telepathy. Because the thing that actually annoys me a bit is like too many people talking too much on the phone. Imagine that if you just try to, because you think 10 times more than what you talk. So imagine if you can transmit your thought process towards uh, the recipient as a communication, it could be much faster 
in huge volume, in huge bandwidth, you can actually transmit a lot of things and do better communication and skip the annoying conversation on train, you know, keeping your neighbors always a bit annoyed. So it could eventually go with kind of like telepathic communication with a brain, you know, brain and a computer interface. I don't know. I'm just trying to imagine if they want to envision this technology in that in that way going forward. That could be really interesting. So, so I actually now have a question for you. Uh, so digital transformation is about also, uh, you know, reinventing the way that uh, public administrations and, uh, and uh, you know, nations uh, uh, approach technology in, in a certain way, you know, and uh, um, renovate a lot of processes and environments. Uh, and sometimes we know that is a shift in the mindset of people, you know, itself. Uh, so the so the, how hard is this technology to approach and how, how far can we be if we think about, you know, how are these usually even to start to not even uh, transform, but, but de definitely just a digitalize an environment when it comes to, to certain environments? That's an interesting question because I have been working as digital transformation consultant more or less like more than a decade. I have worked with uh, most of the European government, non-government body, a lot of companies, including parliament of a country as well. And um, what I could see is like, it doesn't matter how much advanced the technology is coming in. When you see things from an administration and legislation perspective, it comes with how you can bind or build the basics with guidelines so that your digital transformation doesn't go beyond your hand as a ruler or administration or AKA the government. So the government always try to keep things in a tightly bonded shaped way so that it doesn't go beyond that. For example, like GDPR is a rule or a law that has been introduced to keep certain things within control. So because technology can very easily bring things out of your control, if not properly been administered. So digital transformation, when you think of from a corporate perspective, they always try to go for the innovation part because that brings them more money. But when the digital transformation we're talking about from government segment, sector, uh, the public body, the legislation, uh, the, the, at least the ethical ways, they actually come first to make sure that digital transformation can bring the virtue and it shouldn't go, you know, it shouldn't become an evil factor which cannot be controlled by somebody or some entity. So these things should be taken care. That could be many factors. Uh, you should think of, of a digital transformation when you're doing the stuff for an entity, like a public, private, or non-government sector as well. G universities? So, I've been just thinking, you know, watching this video, just it's incredible. Um, it's very distracting in a way, too, because it's like, oh, where am I thinking? And that's actually the funny thing about augmented reality, virtual reality, is it's telling us where to look, where to put our attention, and how we create these augmented reality experiences or software. It can affect, you know, how we think and how we maybe live. And that's really the goal of marketing and advertising is direct the audience to your product don't look at other products as we say now uh universities and research with this i mean i do see some 
uh, interesting creations with uh, with neuroscience uh, here at the university. It's going to be interesting to see new types of, I want to say, say it's software. It's almost like genetics, like how, I guess maybe pharmaceuticals is a better way to say it, like how people can take a pill and, you know, get better at something. Maybe there's going to be a way that I think through augmented reality and this wet computing that we're going to become new human in a way or become better. That's ultimately the goal, I think, with uh, these new technologies is really just to enhance our lives and I try not to make it worse. <laughs> if you can teach without having to talk, but passing your, because when you think you've, you, you, you don't talk to yourself and then you spit it out, you just formulate something and then it comes out into words. But as what Swap Team was saying before, this is just like passing the knowledge to someone that's mesmerizing again okay so a lot of uh, interesting uh, topics that uh, that we discussed uh, today thanks uh, to our guests and uh, as usual to our uh, co-hosts Cyril uh, and Frank I want to thank you Jay and the Swoper uh, team again uh, for uh, uh, staying uh, here with us and I want to also um, tell you that you can follow them on, on LinkedIn uh, and on other social media. Uh, uh, I hope that we could bring you all some, uh, some uh, uh, new insights into the, the digital transformation world. And, uh, and uh, perfect. So um, thank you again, everyone, to be here with us. And uh, see you next week, I would say. Goodbye. Thank you very much. Bye.